0: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. Are you Network. ready to change your life in the next 30 minutes? It's time for Power in a Half Hour with Coach Mark. Get your notebooks ready. He's about to go in. Five, four, three, two, one. Coach Mark. Let's go. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in. This is Coach Mark, and you're listening to Power and a Half Hour. In the next 30 minutes, we're going to learn the tips, tricks, and techniques of the rich and the super-duper successful. So the quote that we're going to start today's show with is, Sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. And that's from Stephen Covey. The title of today's show is, The Power of Your Habits, Part two, the seven habits of the rich and the super duper successful, all right? So I want to thank everyone for listening. I want to remind you, if you ever want to go back and re-listen to not only this show, but any of the previous shows, you can go to my website, www.powerhh.com. Also, if you have Apple iTunes, you can search for me on Apple iTunes. All you have to do is go to the podcast section and do a search for Coach Mark or Power in a Half Hour. And if you listen to me on there, Please leave a comment and rate the podcast. I would truly appreciate that. All right? If we're not friends on Facebook, make sure you find me on social media. On Facebook, my name is Mark Star. That's M-A-R-K-S-T-A-R-R. Or Facebook.com slash Star. On Instagram, it's at Coach Mark Speaks, all right? And Twitter, it's at Coach Mark Speaks as well. So make sure you find me on these platforms because I put out daily motivation. If you want to get my messages in the morning, I have a message service that sends out motivational, inspirational messages every single morning at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And it's free. Great way to start your day. For those of my listeners in the United States, all you have to do is text the letters BBD to four one one. Two, four, All right. And if you have not downloaded my book, you can download it for free at www.repeataftermebook.com. All right. We got an amazing show today. Let's go ahead and get started. Profile number one, Steve and Lori Levine. Now, when Lori graduated college with a history degree, she decided to move to New York City with some girlfriends, and she got a job as a medical malpractice underwriter. Steve, like Lori, moved to New York after graduating college two weeks after Lori. They met one day on the subway, and eventually they got married. After a few years, they moved to Washington, D.C., and Lori got her master's in international business diplomacy. Then they moved to Boston, where she became a marketing rep for IBM. Now, at the time, Steve was in charge of new business development for a software company. He made a cocky statement to the president of the company that he was working for that if a certain product didn't get approved by the board, he should move on from the company. Well, guess what? The board didn't approve it, the product, and he was fired. When Steve looks back in retrospect... This was the motivation that he needed to get started. Now at the time, Lori was pregnant with their first child and they both decided that this was the right time for them to start their own business. They figured that if things didn't work out, Lori could always go back to IBM and get her old job back. They were both avid readers and they noticed that in many homes there was no great place to sit and read. The couple had an old-fashioned lamp and they would fight over who got to sit under it to read. They decided to go around to stores to research reading lights and then they decided to assemble a collection to sell to readers. Steve took his severance pay that he got when he was fired from his job and added that to the $8,000 that he made when he sold his SUV as well as the $12,000 from his IRA and that was the money that they used to start their new business called Levenger. Now for the first two years, the couple was unable to take a salary so Steve's father paid for their groceries and he also gave them his old Cadillac in which Steve sold and put the $12,000 that he made from the sale in the business. Now their first catalog was a single piece of paper folded twice. They also put together some ads and put them in the New York Times and the Boston Globe but they didn't get much response. The couple became discouraged and thought that they would have to quit and go find jobs. Now in a last ditch effort, they put an ad in the New Yorker saying serious lighting for serious readers and people started calling. Just one small change. One small change took their business in a whole new direction now they ran the ad in the middle of october and by christmas time they had 47 customers they started with halogen lights their first successful product was sold as a computer lamp but people wanted it for reading in bed without disturbing their spouses so they rebranded it as a reading lamp in the beginning they ran the entire business out of their home A neighbor rented them his garage where they stored their inventory. Now, during the first year, they had their fair share of issues. One of the lamps that they were selling had a faulty dimmer, and the vendor knew that they were faulty but wouldn't replace them. The couple decided that they would take care of their customers and eat the cost of the lamps. They lost a lot of money, but they didn't lose any customers. Lori says that you can either take things as a challenge or you can crawl away. The couple decided to put on their boxing gloves and face the challenge. Shortly after their first year, they expanded Beyond Lighting because they got calls from the bookstores that said their customers were looking for a dictionary stand or bookcase. Their business started to boom, and after a while, the neighbors started to complain about the UPS deliveries that were coming every day. They knew it was time to find some office space. The couple decided to move their operation down south of Florida, and they rented a warehouse in Delray Beach that had a retail store in the front. Three years after they launched the business, they finally were able to make a profit in 1990. Hear what I'm saying. This couple worked the business for three years before they were able to make a profit. Three years. Can you imagine? They're working the business for three years, and after three years, they were finally able to make a profit. Now, a few months after opening their retail location, a retired mail-order merchant named Rick came by their store. He taught them all sorts of details that they knew nothing about, pricing, The importance of gross margin and copywriting. With his help, they made their first color catalog, got a list broker, and spent their first real investment of $25,000 sending catalogs to 50,000 names. Now, within a few cycles, they were making money while acquiring customers. Their business exploded, and within a few years, they were making over $24 million a year. The same couple that it took them three years to make a profit. Now they're making over $24 million a year, which helped them to buy the land and warehouse for their new headquarters. Now, over the years, the couple's had their ups and downs, but they have learned to go with the needs of their customers and in the direction that the market flows in. Even though there's been a huge change in reading, with more people moving towards reading with electronic devices, customers still want a light for reading. Currently, they have three retail locations and generates over $18 million a year. Let's now take a look at some advice that we can learn from this couple. Number one, and most importantly, just start. You can study something to death. Get started and learn from your customers. Let me repeat that. Just start. You can study something to death, but you need to just get started so you can learn from your customers. At some point, if your gut says you're ready, you got to take the leap. The more mature a business becomes, the more important business plans become. But write them at the right time. Don't stay stuck on them. Number two, don't solve all the problems yourself. If you continue to be the one solving the problems, your business will never grow beyond you. Your colleagues need the opportunity to grow. They need to be accountable for their decisions, make mistakes, have their own successes, and have the chance to enjoy the fun of business. Number three, practice conscious capitalism. You can have a broader view of stakeholders beyond shareholders, and a company can do well by doing good. Our Partnering for Good program sources products in developing countries and gives money back to the villages to support libraries and reading programs. It's a competitive advantage to think broader and act broader. Profile number two, Addie Horowitz. Now, in 1991, Addie got a call from the school nurse at her children's school. The nurse told her that her daughter had lice. After she picked her daughter up from school, she went straight to her pediatrician. Now, he told her to go to the store and pick up some Lindane and Quell and just apply it to her daughter's head. Now, after looking at the ingredients, she realized that the treatments contained toxic ingredients and Addie knew there had to be a better and safer way to remove lice. She began experimenting with homemade remedies and five years later, she decided to launch her own business called Lice Enders in 1996. Now, over the past 20 years since Addie started her business, she has grown it from a business that she ran out of her home to five locations throughout New York and Connecticut. Not only does Addie treat clients out of one of her five locations, she also has contracts with hundreds of schools throughout New York. Currently, Enders has over 60 employees on staff and generates millions of dollars a year in revenue. In last week's power and a half hour call, we talked about how we can learn to change our life by creating new successful habits. This week, we will learn the habits that the most successful people implement in their lives and how we can do the same. Now, before we go over the new habits that we need to add to our lives, let's recap from last week the method that we use to implement new habits. The system that Charles Duhigg talks about in his book, The Power of Habits, is a simple three-step process that all habits follow. Now, this cycle is also known as the habit loop. It is very important that we all have a very good understanding of how this works. This may be one of the, if not the most important lesson that I will teach all year. Now, the vehicle that will take you from where you are to where you want to be are your habits now the habits that you can condition yourself to do on a regular consistent basis now the reason why most people don't attain the level of success that they know they could achieve is simply because they fail to implement the proper habits in their daily routine and they spend too much time doing the bad habits this is why it's so important that we understand this process now the habit loop that charles Duhigg talks about has three components the first component is the trigger, aka the reminder, aka the cue. Now this is the event that starts the habit. Number two, the routine. This is the behavior that you perform, the habit itself. And number three, the reward, the benefit that is associated with the behavior. This is so very important, so let me go over it again. The first component is the trigger, or we may call it the reminder or the cue. This is the event that starts the habit. The second component is the routine. This is the behavior that you perform the habit itself. And the third component is the reward. That's the benefit that is associated with the behavior. Now, let me give you an example of how advertisers force bad habits on us. Now, we've all probably gone through this, all right? So, listen. You're sitting on your Lazy Boy recliner watching your favorite TV show when a commercial comes on TV for Papa John's Pizza. Now, after seeing that piping hot pizza on the screen, you just realize that you're hungry. Now, you really weren't hungry before, but the commercial is a trigger or reminder, that's the first part, that you haven't eaten since lunch. And all of a sudden, you're incredibly hungry. Now that you're dying from starvation, right, Now, and a few minutes ago we weren't even hungry at all, you do what anyone would do that was about to pass out from hunger. You pick up the phone and order the pizza that you just saw on the screen, or you get up and go to the kitchen and grab that bag of potato chips or serve yourself a bowl of ice cream. Now this would be considered the habit or the routine, the second component. Most times when we perform this habit, we are not even conscious of exactly what happened. Even if we weren't really hungry because we just finished dinner 30 minutes earlier, if the trigger cue is strong enough, it causes us to act in the same habitual pattern that we are used to. The reason why this pattern has become a habit is because of the third component in this three-step loop. We don't even have to wait for the pizza to be delivered to get rewarded. Just the thought of eating a slice of pizza or the ice cream and chips is powerful enough to release dopamine, the feel-good neurotransmitter in our brains. This internal chemical reward increases the likelihood that the associated action will eventually become habitual through positive reinforcement conditioning. Dopamine is the same feel-good neurotransmitter that is released during other activities such as sex and drug use. This is how people become addicted to eating, drug use, Sex or alcohol. This is why it's important for us to understand this process. With this understanding, we can learn to identify the triggers that may cause us to perform the bad habits that we may want to stop, as well as teach us a technique to implement the good habits that we need to start. So, let me now give you an example of how we can implement a good habit. Let's say you want to lose 20 pounds, so you decide that you're going to go to the gym every morning before you go to work. Now, before you can install this habit, you will first need Need a trigger. If you're like most people and the first thing you do in the morning is reach for your phone, you may use a picture of yourself when you were 20 pounds lighter as your screensaver. If you don't have any then you may put up a picture of the beach to remind you that once you get rid of that additional weight you will have that beach body. You may also put up a picture on your bathroom mirror as another cue or reminder. Now once you see the reminder you remember that you need to go to the gym. Now, if your desire to lose the weight is strong enough, your brain may start to release some of its feel-good chemicals in anticipation of you doing the habit or routine. Now, the great thing about exercise and any form of movement is that once your body gets in motion, it will release other feel-good chemicals in addition to dopamine. This helps to form the habit and to ensure that your body remembers how good it feels every time you do the habit. And the short-term reward is the chemical buzz that your brain releases that causes you to feel good and the long-term reward is the beach body that you always wanted now that we understand how to create these good habits let's now look at some of the habits of the most successful people that we can implement into our own lives now tom corley an accountant and financial planner interviewed 233 wealthy individuals, mostly self-made millionaires. He studied their daily habits. He then took the results of his findings and compared them with the responses that he got from 128 lower-earning individuals or those with less than $35 in annual gross income. He documents these differences in his book, Change Your Habits, Change Your Life. The following are the habits that, the wealthy people have in common. Number one, they get up early. Nearly 50% of the self-made millionaires in Corley's research got out of bed at least three hours before their workday actually started. Many of them use the free time to tackle personal projects, plan their day, or make time for exercise. Tom says that getting up at 5 in the morning to tackle the top three things you want to accomplish in your day allows you to regain control of your life. It gives you a sense of confidence that you indeed direct your life. Number two, they read a lot. 88% of wealthy people that Tom surveyed said that they devote 30 minutes or more each day to education or self-improvement through reading. Most do not read for entertainment. They prefer biographies, history, and self-help books. Tom says that there are important life lessons to be learned in biographies of people with rags-to-riches stories. Warren Buffett, the third richest person on the planet, says that reading has been the most crucial habit that he's developed. Did you guys hear that? Let me repeat that. Warren Buffett, the third richest person on the planet, says that reading has been the most crucial habit that he's developed. Warren Buffett reportedly spends 80% of his day reading. 80% of his day reading. In 2015, Mark Zuckerberg, the founder of Facebook and the fourth wealthiest person in America, resolved to read a book every two weeks. That's over 100 books a year. Jeff Bezos, the second wealthiest man on the planet, owns the largest bookstore in the world, Amazon.com, and is an avid reader. And Bill Gates, the wealthiest man on the planet, said that he reads 50 books a year. Now here it is, you have the four wealthiest people in America, four of the wealthiest people in the world. And each one of them, emphasize how important reading is why aren't most of us doing more reading why aren't we reading? now if they can find the time to read and trust me i'm sure that each one of them has a lot more going on than anyone that's listening to this why can't we find the time to read and here's the thing They realize they don't know it all. That's why reading is so important to them. That's how they attain more knowledge. Now, these people have more money than any of us can ever dream of. They will never, ever have to work again if they don't want to. None of their family for generations and generations, because each one of them is worth over $60 billion. Yet, they still find the time to read every single day, consistently, every single day number three they spend 15 to 30 minutes each day on focused thinking now many of the self-made millionaires that tom interviewed said they make time to process everything that's going on in their lives tom says that the rich tend to think in isolation in the mornings for at least 15 minutes every day often they reflect on their career their health and their personal relationships number four they make exercise a priority Study shows that working out regularly clears your head and makes you feel more motivated. According to Tom, 76% of the people that he surveyed spend 30 minutes or more each day on aerobic exercises like jogging, biking, or walking. Billionaire Richard Branson says that his morning routine consists of waking up at 5 a.m. to play tennis or ride his bike. He says that this habit has helped to double, double his productivity. Number five. They spend time with people who inspire them. Tom says that you're only as successful as those you frequently associate with. If you don't have highly motivated people in your personal network yet, don't fear. Self-made millionaires volunteer, which is a great way to meet other positive, motivated individuals. You can also join groups for people who share your same career or personal interests and then develop the relationships by keeping in touch. Not just meeting the people, but make sure you're keeping in touch with them. Not only is it important to make sure that you spend time with the right people, also make a point to limit your exposure to toxic negative people. Remember, we talked about negative people a few weeks ago. Number six, they pursue their own goals. Most self-made millionaires plan to get rich and then they make it happen. 80% of the wealthy are obsessed with pursuing their goals. They go over their daily and long-term goals regularly. Tom says to make sure that you don't put your ladder on someone else's wall and then spend the best years of your life climbing it. Find your own wall, your own dreams, and your own goals and pursue them. Let me repeat that. Make sure that you don't put your ladder on somebody else's wall and then spend the best years of your life climbing it. Find your own wall, your own dreams, and your own goals and pursue them. And number seven, they get enough sleep. Now, 89% of self-made millionaires sleep seven or eight hours each night or more. So even though they may wake up at 5 a.m. in the morning, they are making sure that they get their sleep. Albert Einstein reportedly preferred to get at least 10 hours of sleep at night. Remember this, sleep is critical to success. Hear what I'm saying, sleep is critical to your success. You function best when you're well rested. Sleep has a huge effect on memory function and creative thinking. All right, well that's all that we have for today's show. Want to remind you, you can always go back and re-listen to not only this show but any of the previous shows by going to my website www.powerhh.com. That's www.powerhh.com. Now, I know you got three friends that could have benefited from what we talked about today. They probably have some of the bad habits. We need to make sure that they implement the good habits. Get an accountability partner. That's the easiest way. That's one of the easiest ways to make sure that you cement these habits in. It's by finding yourself an accountability partner. All right? So make sure you share this with your friends. Tell them about the radio station that you're listening to this show on. Or if they don't have access to that radio station or can't listen to it at the time that it gets broadcast, Tell them that they can go to my website, www.powerhh.com, all right? Or they can find me on iTunes. to search in the podcast section for Coach Mark or Power in a Half Hour, all right? And the quote that we're going to end today's show with is, successful people are simply those with successful habits. And that's from Brian Tracy. Thank you much, and until next show. Thanks for listening to Power in a Half Hour with Coach Mark. To listen or re-listen, go to powerinahalfhour.com. Follow Coach Mark on Instagram and Twitter at Coach Mark Speaks. Find Coach Mark on Facebook by searching for Mark Star. Like our Facebook fan page, Power in a Half Hour, and join our Power in a Half Hour Facebook group. See you next week.